Hi, and welcome to the Let's Talk Healthy Pets podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Becker, Dr. Mercola's Chief Wellness Veterinary Consultant, and I'm excited to share with you the latest news about pet health to guide you in keeping your animal companions healthy, comfortable, and happy throughout their lives. My goal as a proactive vet is to empower pet owners to make knowledgeable decisions to extend the lifespan and well-being of their animals. If you're looking for more pet health tips, you can also subscribe to my free daily newsletter at healthypets.mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy today's podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker and joining me today are two coconut oil expert twins, Carissa Antigua and Carmina O'Connor, the ladies of Cocoa Therapy. Thank you both for joining me. Hey, Karen. Thanks for having us. Yes. Now, I do have to say, as a little disclaimer for everyone reading and listening to this, these lovely ladies started out as my clients in Chicago. So I've known you, I feel like going on 20 years, but a part of our evolution as client and and veterinarian and patients, I think you have a patient sitting on your lap, don't you? Yep. Right here. Love it. It's so good. Yep. So good. So as a part of me being a part of your healthcare team, I've also had the pleasure and the enjoyment of watching your fa- your third generation family business flourish under your leadership. So it has been a joy for me professionally to care for your babies, but it's also been a joy for me to see the evolution of you as business business female business owners and entrepreneurs expanding your family's beautiful business. So why don't you back up a little bit? I know how you were born in to coconut oil, but maybe our listeners and readers don't. So why don't you just explain a little bit about your background in terms of how your family got into coconut and co- coconut farming and coconut oil? Okay. Well, um, our family has been making, uh, growing coconuts and making coconut oil and other coconut products for over three generations. When we were kids, we used to be in our kitchen, my grandma's kitchen, and we used to watch her make coconut oil, you know, every day. And she used it for everything. She used it for, uh, it, it was her first aid kit in the jar. She used it for every ailment, not just for us, but all our pets or our animals that were on our farm. Um, so she loved coconut oil. She believed in it. We saw how it worked. It was her medicine. It was her food and medicine. So yeah. we grew up with that knowledge and we saw how it worked. And um, yeah, we ate coconut all the time. We had coconut desserts and coconut you know, oil, everything, yeah, everything animals was ate it. Yeah. yeah. And we just saw the health benefits basically, not just with us, but with our pets as well. Yeah. So um, it's just something we really believed in. So it's something that we w- was instilled in us since mm-hmm. we were little, mm-hmm. that it was a healthy food and, and functional food um, for us and our pets. And don't you think a little bit of that is cultural? Because I was born and raised in the U.S. without parents and grandparents and great grandparents in the Philippines, in the growing up in Iowa, where I didn't even see my first real coconut at the local <laughs> Hy-Vee till I was like ten. And I remember mother, my mother saying, "These are exotic fruits and they're very expensive." And I remember <laughs> thinking, and then once a year, uh, once a year we would get a coconut and go outside on the driveway, and my dad would smash it open, and we would all eat it. But and we would also get macadamia nuts, coconut, one coconut, and a bag of macadamia nuts were our like once a year treats because they were really expensive. And I just remember being it, it being a luxury in my family to eat it, but there was never any negative 
connotation to it being unhealthy, you were raised in a culture where it was not just a staple of food, but it's generationally for hundreds, probably thousands of years, it's been the foundation of a culture. So mm-hmm. when you first started hearing, hey, this could be bad, it almost had to be like culture shock to you. Exactly. It was culture shock to us because we grew up where like farmers or um, people in the, in the Philippines, for example, that were poor, um, they couldn't afford to go to a veterinarian. They couldn't afford to go to a doctor or so get antibiotics. They, yeah, they couldn't do it. They didn't give their animals antibiotics, antiviral medications, antifungal medications. They gave them coconut oil. That was their um, antiviral, antifungal medication. And it they, worked. It worked. And they would give it, you know how farmers here in the U.S. would give um, animals antibiotics in their feed? They didn't do that. They gave coconut oil in their feed and their coconut, food. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they just used it as a health. Even veterinarians in the Philippines would use it for oh, yeah. um, so many health benefits. So when we came here to the U.S. and it was just um, weird to us, you're right, it was culture shock because we always thought everybody in the world thought it was healthy. I do remember yeah. when, we first, when we first had a bottle of coconut oil that we brought to a pet show. It was in New York. The people kept saying, what is that? Is that lard? They just couldn't yeah. get their hand around it. And, we just, and they thought, do we just put like suntan oil? We go, no, you feed it orally. And they just, they couldn't get their head around it. They just thought it was so unhealthy. But you know what's funny, Dr. Becker, I don't know if you remember, but when we used to bring Violet to you, one of our Yorkies is no longer yeah. here. You had like severe allergies and you, you were like a trailblazer with coconut oil yeah. because you yeah. knew about it. You knew its health benefits. Um, you told us that allergies was, you know, part of an overactive immune system and um, you recommended coconut oil and we like, I don't know if you remember. Yeah. She we knows were, something was, like what? Yeah, we were really She's shocked. Actually I mean, that. At the time yeah. we didn't make our coconut oil product for pets at that time. We just use our own families, but we were like, wow, this is the first time we heard anybody in the U S or outside anybody of our family, outside of our family say that. So yeah. you were like a trailblazer for yeah. us and um, knowing about yeah. coconut oil. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I have personally experienced the benefits of coconut oil, and I've seen it firsthand in practice, including with, of course, Violet uh, being among my patients that have benefited, benefited from coconut oil. But it seems to me that, so I feel like there's been this wave where initially, 15 years ago, people are like, what is it? Followed by, oh my gosh, is it, is it safe? Followed by general acceptance. And then in the last couple of years, I've seen this resurgence, this, I will, I'm going to call it a backlash of people saying, I don't know if we should all be giving coconut oil to our pets. Can you, first of all, let's, let's back up and have a little history about coconut oil for most of us that weren't raised being told about its benefits or even understanding the type of fat that it is. So let's just start with the basics. And why don't you two explain to our readers and listeners a little bit about a little bit about coconut oil as a fat and how the fat in coconut oil is very different from other types of fats. Right. Well, it's a really good question because okay, saturated fats for or well, fats in general are most misunderstood by the public. So everybody knows there's saturated fats and unsaturated fats. And most doctors say stick to unsaturated fats. Those are healthier for you. So unsaturated fats would be the omega-3, 6, and 9s. They're their fish oil and olive oils, et cetera. And yes, they have definitely um, good health benefits. 
Um, these unsaturated fats, though, are prone to oxidation because of their chemical structure. They have double bonds. And because they're prone to oxidation, they can get rancid. So this is why we say put your olive oil or fish oil in the refrigerator in a dark you know, bottle or whatever. Now, saturated fats, pro -inflammatory. and they can be pro-inflammatory as well when they oxidize. So saturated fats are very different because they are saturated with hydrogen atoms. They have single bonds. So these are your meat, fats, butter, and coconut oil. So these are very shelf stable. They are not prone to oxidation and you can keep them in the uh, clear jar and you don't have to refrigerate it. In the Philippines, coconut oil is actually kept in the kitchen counter all year round and it's liquid and it will not oxidize or go rancid. So that's a, a wonderful difference. Now saturated fat, is further broken down into two types of fats. So not all saturated fats are the same. So um, they're so we all know that uh, fats are made out of carbon um, atoms, right? So saturated fats are either classified by medium chain fats or long chain fats. So if they're medium chain fatty acids like coconut oil, they are made out of um, 12 carbon atoms or less. Long chain fats like a meat and butter are made out of 14 carbon atoms or more. Now it's important because whether a fat is long chain or medium chain fat, our bodies process them differently. So if you want to look at long chain fats, so your dog or us, we eat steak or butter, etc. These long chain fatty acids works its way to the intestines where they need pancreatic um, enzymes to break them down. So, or pancreatic lipase to break it down. And then they also, then chylomicrons, which I call like fat transporters are, um, created from the intestinal wall, they transport the fats out of the intestines and they can go out into the lymphatic system and the blood and some of them eventually make their way to the liver. Now the, the liver will further process it and convert it to um, triglycerides and cholesterol, et cetera. It's released back into the system where they go to the adipose fat tissue, skeletal muscles or hearts. And that's why these long chain saturated fats can be atherogenic or clog arteries. Coconut oil is very different. It's a lot more simple. So it's a medium chain fat, so the molecules are smaller. So they don't need chylomicrons to be transported out of the um, intestines, and they don't need um, pancreatic lipase as well. So what happens is these medium chain fats go through the portal vein, go directly to the liver, and they don't need bile acids to be broken down either. And once in the liver, they're rapidly converted to ketones, and released out into the blood and used for energy. So this is why people um, consider coconut oil a thermogenic oil. It doesn't add to your um, adipose fat tissues. It doesn't clog your heart, and it's used for energy, and it feeds the brain. So there's a big difference between how uh, medium-chain fats and long-chain fats, both saturated, are yeah. used by the body. Yeah. I, I think that term saturated fat is what there's a big hang up around that pertaining to human health. Yeah. You know, people think, oh my goodness, my doctor told me to avoid saturated fat or I'm prone, you know, I'm obese or I'm, I have a cardiac condition or I have triglyceride issues mm -hmm. or cholesterol issues. What people don't realize, twofold issues. Yes, dogs and cats are absolutely prone to obesity. And yes, they have the same lifestyle related diseases that many North Americans have. But dogs and cats uh, don't have issues with heart attacks and cholesterol issues in the same sense that yeah. because dogs and cats were designed to consume 
saturated fat I, and, and in abundance. You know, dogs are kind of scavenging carnivores or opportunistic omnivores, however you want to classify them. Dogs don't eat anything, right? Kitties are obligate carnivores, but their diet includes a lot of saturated fat. And their bodies, I believe, are quite adapted to handle that. So some people have said, aren't you afraid about heart attacks in dogs? And I think, you know, generally speaking, dogs don't have heart attacks like humans have heart attacks. So I think even that term saturated fat, people think it's bad. But once you realize it in context, animals uh, actually need saturated fats. And the saturated fat in coconut oil is so beneficial for so many other parts of the body. As you mentioned, it's one of the few fats that nourishes the brain. So are you seeing, do you use it a lot with older patients? Or like, what are some of the indications? I think most people are aware that coconut oil is like, I put it in my hair every day, use it on my face, you know, I slather it everywhere. I use it in hot spots, cracked nails, cracked heels, dry noses, um, old dog skin where they get the elephantitis-like skin, kitties that lick their bellies and sets. It's like the best topical salve ever. But feeding it, some people think, oh, I don't know about that. So what, when you feed animals coconut oil, let's talk a little bit about all the places it goes and all the, all the good things it does. Okay. You're right. A lot of people um, are familiar with coconut oil in a topical sense. You know, they'll even use it to brush your dog's teeth or yeah. they'll use to, to clean their ears, mm-hmm. you know, for ear infections. So when it comes to that, they're fine with it. Now, when it comes to consuming it, that's where they have the problem. Um, first of all, uh, coconut oil is really rich in, um, the triglycerides that are very healthy, mainly caprolic, capric, and lauric acid. Those are the three most uh, functional and beneficial um, medium chain fatty acids in coconut oil. Now, um, caprolic acid um, is antifungal. So it's known to kill fungi and yeast. It can help control um, systemic yeast yeast issues in animals when they take it internally. Um, Capric acid, converts to monocaprin when it's consumed. And this is um, antiviral. Um, so it's a great antiviral medication or not a medica- you know, supplement. And then lauric acid, which is the most familiar of um, coconut oil, it um, converts to um, monoglyceride monolaurin when it's consumed, and that's antibacterial. Uh, now, these are the three main uh, uh, fatty acids that coconut oil has that gives it all its health benefits. Um, and I think too, I, it's interesting to know people don't know this, but capric and caprylic acids also have their own chains of carbon atoms, right? So they're the smaller of the three medium chain fatty acids. Caprylic is C8, capric is C10. So because they're smaller, the liver can take these um, medium chain fatty acids and they can convert it to ketones at a much faster rate. So if you take capric C- C8 and C10, in about an hour and a half, your ketone levels, blood levels are fully elevated. However, in three hours, it's out of your system. Lauric acid is a slightly bigger medium chain fatty acid, a C12. So it will convert to ketones at a slightly slower rate, three hours, still fast, but then it stays in your system for eight hours. So then you can um, sustain your ketone levels in your blood a lot longer with lauric acid, which is why we like lauric acid so much. But you know, if you look at the nutritional value of coconut oil, it isn't particularly rich in phytonutrients. I mean, it does contain our vitamins and minerals. It does contain um, trace amounts of iron, vitamin K and vitamin E. It has phytosterols. So if you give, you don't give coconut oil to supply unique vitamins and minerals to their dogs that may be lacking. We give it as a therapeutic supplement. 
to help support a dog where their diets are lacking and they can't, um, they can't process things. For example, coconut oil is fantastic for animals with lipid disorders or pancreatitis. Um, well, yeah, my cat actually has pancreatitis. He's mm -hmm. um, 18 years old now, but he had chronic pancreatitis when he was 15. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever I gave him uh, fish oil or any kind of fat, fatty food, um, he would vomit. He would just throw up. But I mean, and the only fat I could give him was coconut oil. And he's been taking that coconut oil since, you know, he was 15. He's now 18 years old. And that's the only fat he can actually tolerate. And then I also had an older chihuahua, Lucy, um, you met her. I did, yeah. yeah. And she had like a luxating patella. She had arthritis in her old age. She'd be really stiff. So coconut oil was a great anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. So it helped her with her joints. Um, it helped her, um, you know, move around a lot easier. Then the other thing too, when she got older, I noticed she got like cognitive function. Yeah. yeah. She'd be looking at a wall and barking <laughs> at nothing. And, you know, she'd be kind of out of it. So um, I gave her coconut oil because I noticed that it w did help her. I, I mean, obviously, um, we know that it helps with cognitive um, health. She just seemed yeah. so much more alert. Yeah, she did. She seemed more, you know, into it. And, um, um, I, I, and you know, and I know that there's a study about beagles with yeah. their cognitive health. Um, I think you mentioned that before in one of your um, other blogs, but uh, yeah. there's... And that's true. Their, their research has been a little bit on dogs in canine cognitive decline, but there is a vast amount of research on the human side of things. That's probably the biggest yeah. shocker to me yeah. is the amount of research coming out on the, like the biohackers, the metabolic summits, yeah. Weston Price, all the, all of these great organizations, PhD yeah. researchers saying, oh my gosh, we need to stop and look at coconut drive ketones and what it can do for turning on our brains. Yeah. Of course, yes, it's good for the immune system. And yes, it's great antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial. But for when it comes to providing cellular energy mm -hmm. that gets into the brain, it re the research is really shockingly mm -hmm. amazing. And yet it hasn't really a lot of that research hasn't trickled down as you would have expected to veterinary medicine. Yeah, no. that's true. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, part of it is a lot of, um, and I, I, I mean, I'm not a veterinarian, but I think because a lot of veterinarians um, rely on things that they're more familiar with, yes. like, you know, fish oil or glucosamine or, you know, those type of supplements, they're not really familiar with coconut oil necessarily. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think that's and, why. And so let's talk a little bit about that because I view coconut oil as the anti-inflammatory fat. So if I have any condition, anything that ends in itis, including, and I'm glad that you mentioned uh, pancreatitis because that's the one thing that I get more emails from other veterinarians saying, what? And you mm -hmm. have to stop and explain that the shorter chain fatty acids don't require lipase release. So it's non-taxing to the pancreas and it's kind of passively diffused through the GI tract. I think they're now discovering that there may be some lymph involvement, you know, that there could be some chylomicron involvement, but it's generally speaking, it's not this active digestive process that requires a tremendous amount of lipase that taxes the lymphatic system. Not at all. In fact, my first introduction to MCTs and my whole life was in veterinary school when they talked about using MCT, specifically formulated MCT oil for oh, lymphangiectasia yeah. and chylomicron disease. Yes. So 
veterinarians have all heard of MCT oil. We just didn't connect it to coconut oil. Mm. So that's something that I think oh. veterinarians still are maybe okay with MCTs. And for some reason, there's a disconnect when it comes to the whole food source. I think integrative veterinarians or functional medicine doctors get that we always try to do the whole food thing versus the piecing out and teasing out of fractionated parts mm-hmm. and pieces of coconut oil. Can you talk a little bit, I have a bunch of questions, but back to the original question of how does it serve the body? It, it works in a lot of ways, but anti, anti-inflammatory is one mechanism, but it does not take the place of, let's say your omega-3 fatty acids. So do you, are you suggesting to people as I do that they add to, like you don't stop your fish oil. A lot of people think, do mm-hmm. I give flaxseed oil or fish oil or coconut oil? And do you want to talk a little bit about how those are three totally different types of fats? Yeah. Well, yeah, totally different. First of all, fish oil is um, a long chain polyunsaturated fat. So we know that it's not saturated, it's unsaturated. So it's processed in the body very differently. Um, There are overlaps with benefits that we know. Like they both coconut oil and omega-3 oils or fish oil supports the brain. Um, However, and, and heart health. But for example, if you look at how they support the brain, they do so in different ways. So coconut oil converts to ketones, as we mentioned, which feeds the brain. It reduces the formation of um, amyloid plaque in the brain, the substance that causes Alzheimer's, and it reduces brain inflammation. Omega-3s, or fish oil, um, forms uh, neurotransmitters called um, phosphatidylserines. And mm-hmm. these are for brain function, these neurotransmitters that help your brain fire up and think. So they work differently in the body. So it helps to give them, it's nice to rotate as well. And coconut oil, unlike fish oil, is highly tolerated by, by animals with um, lipid disorders, for example. I, Camille had, um, she had uh, PLE. Yeah, PLE. And she could not tolerate a lot of fish oil. So I had to give her the coconut oil. And also because it was antibacterial, antifungal, it helped her there. So there are inherent differences between omega-3s and coconut oil. Um, You don't have to stop giving one or the other. I mean, I always like to rotate the oils. And you you bring up a great point. When it comes to animals that need low-fat diets, that's one of those. So animals that have protein-losing enteropathies or a lot of IBS, Mm -hmm. IBD, lymphagectasia, veterinarians absolutely recommend a low-fat diet. But it's interesting because you can absolutely put these patients on a low-fat diet and use coconut oil or MCTs as their source of therapeutic fats to help with that medical condition. So that's an important thing to explain. People say, well, I've got to be on a fat-free diet. You can be on a low-fat diet and supply the minimum fat requirements through these therapeutic fats in the form of MCTs. And that's, I think, a really important point to me. Yeah. 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 She thrived on it. She needed her MCT. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, have you found um, that people are coming to you asking if they have a pet medical condition, specifically, let's say a GI condition, do you pick MCT oil at, to use differently than you would coconut oil? I mean, because you, those are two, how, how do those products different, differ in that you would you pick MCT oil o- over coconut oil for a specific reason? Well, um, mm. coconut oil, first of all, is about 64% um, medium chain fatty acids. So the other, uh, what is it, 30, whatever the math is. Yep. Um, it, you know, 37. Yeah, I mean, they do have some long chain, 
They also do have some other um, fats. They also have, um, sorry, they also have um, 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 some omega threes. Um, they do have They're little. They have more omega six than omega three. Yeah, yeah. So they're six percent um, omega. Well, omega, omega nine too. Yeah. But anyway, so I mean, yes. So there are differences for a dog um, or an animal that are is severely sensitive to fat, even coconut oil. We do recommend MCT more because it's got ninety three percent medium chain fatty acids and much less of the other other fats. Yeah. And and that has been that has been my point as well that if you have a severely debilitated animal that needs an ultra low fat diet just go with the MCTs alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't fear in my opinion you shouldn't fear MCTs. There's I think there's a the second wave of people saying that maybe we shouldn't even be taking MCTs. Mm-hmm. And I find it fascinating because when you trace back where some of these uh where some of the confusion comes from. One of the inciting questions that I have had is a couple of veterinarians saying to me, well, where would dogs get coconut oil in the wild? Certainly there may have been Polynesian feral dogs 200 years ago, but all in all dogs over the last 10,000 years, they didn't eat coconuts so why are we feeding coconuts now like wh- what do you say to that that's a good question well yeah that's a really good question but um first of all we're not claiming that coconut oil is a natural food that dogs, dogs eat in the wild i mean yeah we obviously know that but you know the same could be said with green lip mussels or fish oil even or uh, fermented goat's milk or, or, or kefir. kefir i mean these are all functional foods that dogs yeah. in the wild don't have natural access to so, I mean, why do people give these to their dogs? I think, you know, giving these foods to our dogs, I mean, we consider them functional foods. Um, they help to address or support, you know, various needs of dogs that um, a diet couldn't support maybe. I mean, we're not saying it's going to add to their diet in terms of nutritional value, but it's functional in terms of the way it, it, it treats um, yeah. certain conditions. Yeah. We, you know, we've all, and, and Karen, we've also heard the argument, okay, so coconut oil is fine for you Filipinos or tropical dogs <laughs> out there, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. not native to people in North America or Europe. So therefore people or animals of those countries shouldn't be eating coconut oil. Yeah. But then I say the same argument could be used for olive oil. Olive oil is a Mediterranean diet. Historically, it was never in tropical countries or even North America. But why are we all eating olive oil and loving it? It has yeah. wonderful health benefits and um, it was not part of our ancestral diet, but we love it. So yeah. I think when people look at the equation about food, about whether or not we should be eating something, I think they sometimes forget to look at the bigger picture, which is our bodies. Our bodies, our dogs' bodies have been designed by God to react in a certain way beautifully. So a dog's intestines, a dog's pancreas, a dog's uh, liver will react um, in the appropriate way nature intended it regardless of whether they're eating food that is naturally found in, in, to the them wild. in the wild or whether it's food that has been supplied to them as needed for a, you know, a functional need. Yeah, and well, I think it, where we're allowing food to be our medicine. Yeah. Yep. yeah, and what's interesting is when you ask a lot of functional nutritionists on the human realm, and even when I posed this question to Dr. Mark Morris, Dr. Mark Morris was the PhD wildlife biologist that kind of helped our corner of the earth coin the term biologically appropriate for dogs. Mm -hmm. He was the guy that did the research that let 
domesticated dogs and wild wolves, two cohorts, eat as much carb, protein, and fat as they wanted. And then he just let them graze as much as they wanted over a period of time to see what they would choose instinctually on their own. And absolutely what he found, which helped corroborate all of us saying we need to feed dogs more of a biologically appropriate diet, he was talking about macronutrients, meaning what what percentage of the diet is protein and what percentage of the diet was fat. And what he found with both dogs and wild wolves is that if left to select on their own, all species of canines will first gorge on fat And once they have enough fat to nourish their brain, they will then gorge on protein Mm. and very little, if any carbohydrate, less than 10%. They would nibble on carbohydrate. I think probably more for roughage. They needed some grasses for fiber, Mm -hmm. but they met their fiber requirement last with 10% carbohydrates. They ate fat first, then protein. When we look at the fats we have to offer our dogs, especially if we were going by this locale, me growing up in Iowa, I would have corn oil to offer my dogs, which I would rather just not eat any oil than corn oil, right? So I do agree with your premise that we need to think of this as macronutrients. We need to think of it as the healthiest macronutrients we could be selecting for our dogs and cats. So when it comes to the fat category, some of the healthiest fats we absolutely could select for our pets in my opinion, would be coconut oil because it is stable. It doesn't go rancid. It nourishes the body in ways that are low stress metabolically. And this is proven over and over on the health side of things. I just see summits all the time talking about, especially lipid summits, where they're really diving into the science of how how healthy fats so miraculously help humans cope with inflammation. And there's a lot of research coming out. But the other thing you'll hear from in our side of the camp is there's no research on coconut oil. This, like, this is just people wantonly throwing something in the dish with very little research. So what do you ladies say to people that, that come back to you and say, there's no research on coconut oil. Why are you suggesting that we feed this or eat it ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my first question is, did you even look? <laughs> because if you look, there are thousands of <laughs> studies out there. There's a website called um, pubmed.com that if you just, a, a dot org. If you even there's a search bar and you put coconut oil or virgin, put virgin coconut oil, you'll see thousands of research that comes out. You put lauric acid, you'll see over two thousand or close to two thousand studies on coconut oil. So if they say there are no studies, I just I don't They're think they really looked. <laughs> but you know, aside from that, um, coconut oil has been a part of Ayurvedic medicine for over five thousand years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people say, "Well, it's anecdotal," or blah blah blah. You know, there's mm-hmm. not really studies. True, but I mean, empirical evidence, I think, or or uh, empirical proof. I don't know what you call it, but has demonstrated that it's been healthy. It's been part of a healthy diet, and, and it, it works. You, you know, it help, It supports health. Thousands of years. Yeah, yeah, but for people that are real scientists and need to see black and white science, and and you know trials, clinical trials, they, it exists. It really does. There's, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so if you guys had some parting thoughts on what you'd like the world to know about coconut oil pertaining to pets, what would it be? Well, the parting thought for us would be, since we were little, if we didn't have coconut oil, I think a lot of our pets would have been in trouble <laughs> because we have seen it. And even when we used to live in the Philippines and we used to see veterinarians and they would give us a diet, you know, for 
you know, certain animals with certain conditions, it would always include coconut oil. Um, I believe truly that the pets that I have here in the U.S., the ones I've had overseas, they've had coconut oil before it was even a fad all their lives since I was little. And if it wasn't for coconut oil, I know it is yeah, a healthy yeah, fat. Yeah. There are a lot of times where I feel like it would have, our animals yeah. might have not made it for certain conditions. And I think too, if they're wary about coconut oil and they don't understand it, I, you know, dig in and understand the science because that's what it is. It's not snake oil. It's just, it's science. It's the way yeah. medium chain fats are broken down in your body. It's the way our liver functions, et cetera. So once you understand the science or you understand something, I think you're less afraid of it, but it's, it's a lot of vets know the benefits. So you know, I also think that because of this, you know, sudden boom, when it was healthy, everybody was saying, saying it's healthy, it's healthy. So it sounded too good to be true. Almost. It was instead of people talking about why it was healthy, they were saying, Oh, it's good for this. It's good for your brain. It's good for immune system. It's good for your heart. It's good for the thyroid, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And people are like, well, it's starting to sound a lot like snake oil yeah. or, or voodoo, you yeah. know, new medication. So I think that's, part of the problem too. So there's starting to feel like, wow, all these promises is too good to be true. It's for ear infections, topically, oral. It's just so confusing. And then everybody, then you get the campus as well. Why should they eat coconut oil? That's not a pet, natural pet, part of their diet. Yep. So I think it's all this. Con well, no, just, just get rambling. educated. I think. Yeah. yeah you're rambling. Yeah. And no, that, that, no, that's actually really good advice. And I agree with you. I think that because coconut oil has just trended here. It's, it's considered kind of a new age, you know, kind of fad supplement in the last 20 years. Yeah. But we have to stop and recognize that uh, our country is relatively new compared to a bunch of other civilizations who have been consuming this food for thousands of years. So what appears to be as a trendy fad in the US, if you trace it back to its origins, it's an ancient healthful food that many cultures have relied on for themselves and their livestock for thousands of years, healthfully and intuitively and naturally. And, and out of that ancient wisdom, you've brought forth um, new knowledge to share with other parts of the country, other parts of the world, including the US, that is met with excitement, but also an ounce of skepticism. And then, of course, a backlash of a bunch of um, people deciding, I don't know if I know enough about this. I'm not educated enough about it. I'm just going to blanket statement. Yeah. Don't do it. And yeah. I think if people do do their research, come to the conclusions themselves or talk to veterinarians that like myself that has had just tremendous experience yeah, for uh, several decades using coconut oil, you can begin to put some of your mind to rest as to whether um, you feel comfortable using it. And then once you do start using it, I think it's a slippery slope because you can't stop. It fixes one condition. So you use it for the next and the next. And then as you mentioned, Carmina, you end up using it at all your pets for everything because you see the vast benefits of literally nose to tail improvement by incorporating this really beautiful fat into an animal's lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. No, yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, thank you ladies for sharing your wisdom and expertise about all things coconut oil with me this morning. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Thanks.